0: Hey, sexy listeners, I want to tell you about Uberlube. Uberlube is this super gorgeous, discreet, beautiful looking bottle filled with this amazing silky lube. It never gets tacky. It never feels weird on your skin. I really like it. And I recommend it to all my sex therapy clients. If you go on UberLube.com today and put in promo code Dr. Tammy, you get 10% off. Promo code DRTAMMY and get 10% off today. And UberLube ships free anywhere in the United States. Check it out, uberlube.com. Today, we have a fabulous guest, my friend and colleague, Dr. Jen Gonzalez. She's a sociologist and an intimacy coach, and she's the author of a new book, From Madness to Mindfulness Reinventing Sex for Women. Dr. Jen is a national speaker on consent, intimacy, women's empowerment, gender communication, erotic play, which we're going to ask her about, and mindful sex. She's got two TEDx talks, and she's also the co-host of her own podcast, Sex Talk with Clint and the Doc, and she also has a television YouTube show called In the Den with Dr. Jen, which I've actually been on, which was very fun. I remember a lot of, like, feather boas. Welcome to The Trouble with Sex, where we get up close and personal with leading experts to expose the naked truth about sex, love, and relationships. I'm Dr. Tammy.
1: There was always a lot of feather boas and hats and colorful wigs and uh, various outfits on In the Den with Dr. Jen, especially when I would do the uh, sexual fun fact part of it.
0: One of the things I really think you're great at is talking to young people, like going to college campuses and talking to people of all ages, but particularly young people about things like sexual consent and empowerment and... And sexuality, like I think young people today really need to hear from somebody like you about sex and how to make consent sexy and not scary and how to really talk about sex in a way that works, in a way that doesn't shut people down, in a way that's not repressive. I really respect that about
1: you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's. I mean, we, we, we know most of us are having sex or wanting to have sex because it's fun and pleasurable. Um, yet there's so much, you know, shame or embarrassment or stigma or misunderstandings and just awkwardness, frankly, around sexual situations. I remember a while ago I was, I was talking, actually it was a, a man who identifies as gay, and I was telling him about the topic of my book. This was a few months ago before it came out. And so, and he him, he's not particularly familiar as a gay man with female sexuality. So I was trying to explain my book, and then I was like, no, no, it's, it's about just how, how vulnerable and awkward sexual encounters can be and how we could do that differently. And he goes, Oh my God, sex is vulnerable as fuck. And he's like, I think I need your book. And (laughs) it just, it really is. Um, and I I think that's one piece we often don't talk about. Even when we're talking about sexual consent and, and communication, it's always like, you know, here's a clear way to communicate it. Well, how do we get over all of our awkwardness and fears, to, to even be able to start that conversation. You know, it's one thing to have the right words, but we really need to know how to sit with social awkwardness and be willing to move towards that awkwardness. Um, you know, as, as humans, we're innately social creatures. And so for many of us, social awkwardness is a terrible thing because we're we're losing connection with people we care about, or we may not get the attention from somebody, or we want somebody to like us and we're afraid they won't. So. Um, so much of that gets in the way of us then being able to communicate um, our needs and wants and desires and boundaries and fears and all of that in a sexual encounter. That's a lot.
0: Yeah, it is a lot. So there's a lot about the social awkwardness that goes before a sexual encounter, like when you're trying to have sex with someone, but also during sex. And then there's the after sex awkwardness. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you, and I'm,
1: you're yeah, writing about
0: all that stuff.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you were talking about like college students. I know it's super common for them, um, you know, in hookup culture that they, you know, you have sex with somebody, but then you're not supposed to like that person. Right. You're supposed to pretend you don't like that person because you don't want to, quote unquote, catch feelings. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, and you do it while you're drunk or hi, and then you see them on campus the next day, and then it's awkward, or you pretend you don't know each other. I'm like, that is just terrible for us, psychologically and emotionally. It's terrible, you know, because the people (laughs) that feel like they're being
0: ghosted or used feel terrible, but also the person that is actually trying to avoid the other person because they think they should feel bad, too. So it sets up this victim-perpetrator situation after sex, which is just horrible,
1: Right. And nobody it's I mean, again, as as innately social creatures, like we feel at our best when we're actually connecting with other human beings in a meaningful way. And that's that's one of the beautiful aspects of sex. And that's what it provides for us. Um, But because of, you know, poor sex education and fear of vulnerability, and that we're just, you know, we're not really taught how to communicate our needs and and how to sit with that awkwardness I'm talking about. All of this other crap happens around us and and nobody feels good in the end. So,
0: so what should people do? Like, what do you suggest for those young people? Like after you've hooked up with someone, you met them at a party, you thought they were hot, you took them back to your dorm or wherever, (laughs) uh, and you had sex and you kind of like do want to talk to them the next day, but it's not you know, it's not kind of the thing that you do. You feel weird. Like, what should you do?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a women' sexual empowerment is my specific specialty area. So I'll speak at least from a, a female perspective. I mean, one of the things is is for young women or women, anyway, it's just to check in. Like, is hookup culture the right fit for you? Are you hooking up because you're getting pleasure, because it's exciting to you, because it feels good to you, because mm-hmm. you're, you're totally choosing it? Or are you doing it because you think it's the only way you have a chance of getting close to this person you like. Right. Um, Or is it because you like the attention or because, you know, you're getting drunk and escaping from life or, you know, what are your motivations? And does it feel like it's coming from an empowering place or a place of strength or a place of, you know, avoidance or wounding or insecurity? Right. Um, And so that's the first place. And because for many of us, hookup, and I know I'm the same way, like hookup culture is not a good fit for me emotionally mm-hmm. um, and how I, how I operate and what I most want. So that's one thing of getting clear. And then two, I mean, if you really do like this person, you know, getting into a cycle of just, you know, booty calls, drunken booty calls and or, <laughs> um, you know, being at parties and um, and just, you know, hanging out with this person and their friends and then hoping to hook up with them because then you're hoping they like you as much as you like them, doesn't work out so well. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a, that's a pattern for many teen girls and and college uh, young women. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think the first step is being honest with yourself. And that's part of what mindfulness helps us. It helps us, you know, slow down and check in with ourselves. What are our motivations? What are our emotions? What angst are we carrying inside of us? And what choices are we making? Are we making choices that's making that worse for ourselves Or are we making choices that feel in alignment with our values and what we want? And so, and I would say, you know, if you've hooked up and you really do like this person, there is a place to be more vulnerable and have even just in a very, you know, minor way of just having a quick conversation with the person and just being like, hey, I'd like to hang out more with you. How do you feel about that? You're putting yourself out there, but not too much. And then judge by their response. If they're like, yeah, yeah, my friends are hanging out tomorrow, come with us. Or, Yeah, let's go see this movie on campus on Friday night together. You know, you could judge by their response if they're looking for you more as a hookup or if they actually maybe have some interest in emotional investment in you.
0: Yeah, it's a scary thing, especially for young women who haven't really developed their own sexual self-confidence and they don't have... You know the idea that pleasure and their own pleasure is where their power is, and so they tend to give it away. So even during sex, they're really focused
1: on the other person's
0: pleasure instead of their own. Right? That they even have
1: a right to pleasure. You know, giving themselves permission for pleasure. I did a kind of impromptu one-hour kind of workshop with a group of eighteen-year-olds, and that was one of the questions. And one young woman was asking, like, "How do we know what we like? And that's such an interesting thing that I don't feel like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm in my mid 40s now. I don't feel like when I was in college, that was something like and, and maybe because we didn't have pornography in the same way where you're sort of, you know, it's kind of literally shoved down your throat what you're supposed to like mm, so to speak. Um, versus how do you explore your body <laughs> and. Get to know yourself, and so yeah, and so that's such an interesting question that I think many young men probably don't grow up with in the same way. Well, They're I don't, like, I, don't oh, think I know what type of touch feels good. Yeah, I don't think women
0: even in their adulthood, know what they really want and what feels good. I think that your point is well taken that, you know, young girls don't know, but a lot of adult women don't know. And Mm. if you don't know yourself what feels good or what you want or what's pleasurable or how to have an orgasm, it's really hard
1: to tell somebody else what you want and what feels good. And then it's also different, too, because what works for you alone, if you're masturbating, doesn't always translate well to a partner. So that's, you know, no matter what is going to be its own exploration with someone else. So I think just owning (laughs) the awkwardness and the discomfort of, of this, you know, this level of vulnerability and letting your armor down and just exploring with someone else. I mean, that's where we really find our pleasure. That's really at the heart of it, what intimacy is, you know, being raw with somebody at that level. Um, and providing the same for them. I hear what you're saying. I also
0: think that sometimes people don't know that, you know, what's pleasurable on one day might not work yeah. the same the <laughs> next time. <laughs> so <laughs> they, when they think they've figured it out and their partners <laughs> figured it out and then it doesn't work the next week, they're like, wait, what? <laughs> but I know sometimes even different times of the month, it can feel different or in different moods or.
1: Yep. I mean, definitely with our menstrual cycles. I mean, in our, you know, our, Our cervix and our uterus will be lower or higher sometimes. So, you know, sometimes you might like a pounding, deep intercourse. um, And other times that'll feel painful on your cervix.
0: Even recognizing where you're at and what the day is and what your mood is, all that can change. And being able to communicate that and telling your partner, uh, well, this is what works for me today. I think you're talking about communication and you know, being really in touch with yourself and being able to communicate that in a really intimate way, you know, being vulnerable and sharing, which isn't easy for people. It isn't easy for anybody, whether you're male, female, gay, straight. It's hard. It's a practice. We work on it our
1: whole entire lives. And I think for some women, um, and this is part of what I talk about in my book, the starting place is just knowing that there's nothing wrong with you. You're not broken, there's nothing wrong with you. If your sexuality is changing day to day, month to month, that's not a bad thing at all. So giving yourself permission to be an ever evolving uh, sexual being, And, um, yeah, not judging yourself for it, not expecting judgment from others or accepting judgment from others and just, you know, being in touch with that, you know, always pulling back the layers of the onion and, you know, as we're aging and growing and changing, then our sexuality is always changing as well. So, um, just knowing that that's okay, that's all, you know, quote unquote normal. But then, you know, once you give yourself permission to that, how do you get more in tune with it? and attuned with yourself, and then how do you communicate that to others? And yeah, that's that's a lifetime journey for sure. Stay tuned for more of The Trouble
0: With Sex. I want to invite you to our Trouble with Sex community, go to Patreon.com/slash/TheTroubleWithSex to get exclusive access, and invitation to special events, discounts, resources, and more. Join us at the Trouble with Sex community and support us at our Patreon page, Patreon.com/slash/TheTroubleWithSex. That's patreoncom slash sex. Jen, your book. Madness to Mindfulness Reinventing Sex for Women. Can you just tell
1: us briefly why you wrote that book? I'm a a sociologist, so I've been studying female sexuality and gender roles um, and and what we're taught in society around that for, you know, since the 90s um, and always been fascinated by that and gender power dynamics. And um, about 15 years ago, when I moved to San Diego, I really got into mindfulness and holistic health and, you know, looking at sexuality and relationships through the lens of physical, mental, emotional, social and spiritual in a big picture. And so got into mindfulness and meditation and really started applying that to my work and my work around women's sexual empowerment. So, yeah, so this is this is, you know, work that I've been evolving over the past 15 years or so. And I did my first TEDx talk back in 2012, and it was on a similar topic of female sexual empowerment through the lens of mindfulness. And I got such a good response from that. I was like, all right, I should. I think there's a book in this.
0: I really like your book because it has a lot of interventions, has a lot of exercises. It's like a journal. It's like do this today. So Can you tell us more about the book and some of the exercises in the book that people could do on their own or maybe with a partner?
1: Yeah. So, yeah, there's a ton of exercises. I think there's over 40, 45 different exercises I mention in the book. And at the end, I even have a creating your own reinventing sex plan and help women pull from these exercises to actually, you know, create daily, weekly, monthly Schedule for themselves to actually, you know, reinvent what sex means to them. So, there's lots of exercises around mindfulness, just specifically. And there's lots of ways to integrate mindfulness into your everyday activities. Um, If you already have a really busy schedule, you don't have to go out of your way and sit and meditate for 45 minutes. Mindfulness is about present moment awareness without judgment. Every time you pass through a certain doorway to pause and take a deep breath and just check in in that moment and be like, okay, what are, you know, what are my thoughts right now? What are my emotions? What are my bodily sensations? Anything you can do to train your brain to start pausing and just reflecting on what's happening inside you at that moment, those type of skills and practicing them in really safe ways um, and safe meaning on your own, outside of the context of a relationship or a sexual situation, um, it's much easier to practice outside of those situations. Because sexual situations and our our relationships are loaded with a lot of fears or insecurities, um, and and lots of patterns. And so, practicing outside of those then that helps build our skills. Then once we're in a situation and then you know with your partner there's so many different ways of of putting this into play tell us like a
0: couple specific things about mindfulness that can be applied to sex
1: so one is what baggage did you learn growing up and so if you were carrying shame or embarrassment or a sense that talking about sex is inappropriate if you're carrying that from childhood and any messages or religion or school or parents uh, shine a bright light on that because that's not going to go away, even if you've compartmentalized it. And by shine a bright light, I mean, mindfully sit and journal on what did you learn? Where does that live inside you? Because our, these negative messages like shame and embarrassment and, and fear, we feel those deeply inside of us. So finding where inside of you that lives and giving and actually moving towards that discomfort instead of away from it, that is a very powerful, a very difficult mindfulness practice, but a very powerful mindfulness practice. So let me see let me see if I got
0: it. So if you realize that there's a message from your childhood about sex, something negative or shameful, to sit down, write that out, really be aware of maybe where you're holding that
1: in your body or what the message actually is and write about it. Yes. And so and that's what I call moving towards the discomfort instead of away from it. Because okay. normally we don't want because those those things feel bad. Like they really feel bad inside of us uh, and uh, neurophysically feel bad inside of us. So so a prompt
0: might be like what I learned in childhood about sex or a negative thing I know about sex.
1: Yeah. I mean, every chapter ends with worksheets where you can answer questions like that. And so there is a whole there is a whole chapter that says, you know, what do I what do I wish somebody had told me or taught me about my sexuality? What did I learn about sex and sexuality as a child? Was it positive? Was it negative? You know, what did you learn about, quote unquote, losing your virginity and what that meant? And so finding where that lives in you, because we do, we carry these with us and they impact our, our sex and intimacy lives whether we want them to or not move towards that discomfort, sit with it and then start, you know, from that place being like, okay, and then who do I want to be as a sexual woman? What, what does a happy sex life look like to me? And then, you know, for example, another activity, how do I give myself permission for that? How do I give myself permission to explore sexuality in new ways, to have a voice in new ways? So so is that like creating a vision
0: of who you want to be in your relationship or by yourself as a sexual person? Like so sort of writing it down like I want to be able to – Uh, have sex and have orgasms or give myself an orgasm or feel good in my body or not be shy or ask for what I want? Is that kind of the vision that you're talking about?
1: Right. Details like that. But then why do you want that? What does that feel like to you? What does that give to you that you don't have now? You know, because it's one thing to know what's not working, but another to stand in a place of what is working and like, why so it's helpful to know what you're working towards and in you know envisioning that in detail. And so it's not just the thought parts of it, but it is the emotions. And again it is these bodily sensation piece that's where a lot of power is. For us to sit in, okay, and, and why? Like, where do I feel that? Oh, I feel an expansion in my chest. I'm able to be present with a partner, and I feel I'm fully accepting myself, and a partner is accepting me. And like, that's then what you're looking for in a partnership, and that's what you're looking to create. So it's like a visualization. It is.
0: And then going into your body and sort of mindfully feeling what that would be like to really own yes. that and be that person.
1: Once you have that vision, then in your, say, you're dating somebody and you're in a situation that you're like oh okay i know what i want i know my past messages that are getting in the way still like what's keeping me from this moment of actually communicating my truth and then that's where then again you get to apply that same type of mindfulness where you get to notice where am i where am i stopping myself where am i shutting down or where am i lashing out or where am i avoiding a conversation um, that I want to have. And then again, you could journal on it or you just sit with the discomfort of it and move towards that discomfort and then go to your partner and be like, okay, I have something I need to say here. I've never said anything like this before. This is so uncomfortable for me.
0: Mm -hmm. So mindfulness, you really define as, first of all, as a noticing and being aware. And so Jen, can you give us one tip to share with our listeners something that they something really concrete that they could do today at home, either alone or with their partner, something that will bring them from madness to mindfulness, or something that will reinvent
1: sex for them. This is one of the exercises in my book, and one I love to do with clients. It's finding your sexual archetype, and archetype is is um, I kind of use that term more generally than it's intended, but it's finding an archetype is a is a A constellation of characteristics. Um, You know, we have an archetype of like the mother, the teacher, the warrior. If somebody, you know, gave you that as an assignment in a play to take on that role, you would know what that means. Well, so we could take that concept and we can apply that to ourselves as ever-evolving sexual beings. So who is the sexual archetype that really speaks to you? Is there a woman that you're friends with? Is there somebody in a book you read? Is there somebody in a television show, a Netflix series, a movie, a Hollywood star, a famous musician or singer that embodies to you how you want to be as a sexual woman? I think I'm a combination of Wonder
0: Woman and Lana Del Rey. (laughs)
1: Wait, who's Lana Del Rey? I don't know who
0: that is. What? She lives in Venice. Oh, my God. Lana Del Rey is like the best musician ever. And she just released a new album. And if she would come on my show, I'd be very happy and promote her. (laughs) Well, there you go. (laughs) Okay, so that's a great exercise. And we're going to put the details in the show notes. And if you want more, you can go to find Jen Gonzalez's book. You can also write to her at jennifer at drjensden.com. Jen with two N's. And you can get her book at Madness to Mindfulness, Reinventing Sex for Women. Dr. Jen, thank you so much for joining us today at The Trouble with Sex. I'm so excited for you and for your new book and for how you are helping women empower themselves to find pleasure and to notice what they're going through, to slow it down, and to use mindfulness to improve their erotic life. Until next time. This episode was brought to you by Uberlube, the luxury lubricant. To find out more, go to thetroublewithsex.com or email me at drtammy at thetroublewithsex.com. Join our mailing list, follow us on social media, sign up for our newsletter, or send me a question. The Trouble with Sex is produced by Brandy Savitt and Jane Applegate. Our audio is by Flavor Lab New York City. Our L.A. studio engineer is Aaron Steinberg. This episode was mixed by Eric Stern with music by Bruce Hirschfield.